Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And, and this, this is, is Talking, Talking Lion. Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversations. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion. And throughout our career as songwriters and producers, we've had the opportunity to work with so many incredible rising artists. Talking Lion is about hitting record on the conversations we've had with our musical friends and collaborators to get a glimpse into what their life's been like and where it's going. A few reminders before we start. Firstly, we now have a Patreon for fans of the show to show their support and help keep the show going. As a Patreon subscriber, not only will you earn rewards, but you'll also gain exclusive access to a chat room in our Discord server. Here you can talk with us and even suggest questions for our guests. Go to patreon.com slash talkinglion to subscribe. We appreciate your support. As we mentioned, we also have a Discord server that's become a sort of community hub for Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. We're very active on there and very eager to talk to you about who you are on the show and how you feel about the new episodes, as well as just talking about life. So yeah, come through and you can talk with us. You can make some new friends, share your art, and share your memes. Go to sleepinglionmusic.com slash discord to join our server. We hope to see you there. Lastly, our faces on a shirt. We have shirts now for Talking Lion with our faces on them. If you want to wear us on your shirt, buy a shirt. It helps support the show and it shows your friends that you like Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. You can find these shirts on our website, sleepinglionmusic.com slash store. Pro tip, Patreon supporters of the honorary lion tier or higher will get a free shirt. Now back to the show. We recorded this episode with our new friend, Leanna Firestone. We first found Leanna on TikTok and connected over DMs, but this was the first time we got a chance to Zoom with each other. We recorded this episode following the release of her new single, Diet Coke. With that song in mind, we'd like to issue a trigger warning. In this episode, we discuss eating disorders, suicide, and mental health. If you or anyone you're listening with are triggered by these topics, we recommend listening to a different episode or proceeding with caution. Likewise, if you or anyone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, there's a number you can call. That's 1-800-273-8255. Liana's candid lyricism immediately resonated with us, and we connected with her Broadway influences. She's a unique, prolific, and authentic songwriter who's about to take the world by storm with her musicals and songs. So, without further ado... I'm Leanna Firestone, and this is Talking Lion. Well, hey. Hello, 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 hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, <laughs> nice to meet you as well. Pretty okay. Things are going all right over here. I feel like I've had a whole day already over here. I've been like halfway across town. Doing errands in Los Angeles is like a special kind of hell because uh, yeah. you, ca- you can't get anywhere oh, fast. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of just sitting in your I've car. I've never actually been. So I have just heard horror stories about traffic and uh, more horror stories about everything else. So... I haven't been yet. Yeah, you know, the, the thing is, is that like, I feel like I'm actually pretty well equipped for the other horror stories. Like, I think that like, you know, I've watched enough, so to speak, of the horror uh, stories to know like, don't go in the basement and don't talk to that manager. Like, I think, <laughs> I think I've gotten, gotten that far, but I just still can't get over just like the existential uh, dread of watching your life slip by in standstill traffic. You used to say you love traffic. I used to say I love traffic back when uh, I had time to love traffic. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love Tennessee traffic 100%. But Tennessee traffic is like 15 minutes. So it's not right. It's not hours of my day. Absolutely not. Uh, LA traffic is for the youth. You know, it's for it's the it's for, for the, the youth. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in our in our old age. In our old we've age. grown bitter and <laughs> resentful. You know, it used to be like a great time to just relax and catch up and have a podcast. Now I'm just like, how did I get 25? I I became 25 in traffic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
That's exactly what happened. But, you, but yeah, you're in, you're in Tennessee? Yeah, unfortunately, yes, I am in Tennessee. Are you a, a, a Tennessean born and raised? Unfortunately, yes, I am a Tennessean born and raised. <laughs> Where, whereabouts I, um, in Tennessee? I grew up in a town called Cookville, but I was uh, or born in a town called Cookville, but I grew up in a town called Allgood, which is right next to Cookville. And then I moved away for college to a different Tennessee college town uh, called Murfreesboro. Nice. And yeah, you, did you study music in college? Yeah, I was a part of the quote unquote recording industry program. And Whoa. you could, yeah, I know, very fancy title. RIP. Yeah. <laughs> um, you could do either audio production, music business, or commercial songwriting. And I did commercial songwriting. That's solid. No, but but I think I think the thing because I, I I first saw you on TikTok and I think that what like really resonated with us is that we're just I mean we're recovered theater kids. I you know if I may make the assumption you're definitely a theater kid. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and what was really cool, uh, I think I hit, I hit you up about like about writing and stuff. But what was really cool was just that like there was this really great Venn diagram overlap of like really, really good pop sensibility and like strong choruses and like flow and math to the music, but also just like Jason Robert Brown influence and, and you know, all that stuff with like, am I right in hearing like a little bit of like, like mid 2000s alternative influence? Like yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I am a really, really big fan of Blink-182. And okay, there that, it is. That'll yeah. definitely yep. do it. Ding, ding, ding. There it is. Um, you can hear it in the, the melody. I think the melody of the chorus of Two Weeks Notice was where my brain went on there. I was like, that melody is like making me nostalgic somehow. I don't know why, but it's definitely reminding me of like my my pop punk days, you know? Oh, yeah. I was, I mean, I was the type of girl that I like really, 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 really wanted to be in like the punk scene when I was in middle school. I just like, I wanted to so badly, but I could not stomach listening to like Sleeping With Sirens or Bring Me The Horizon or right. <laughs> anything like that. Like anything that screamed at me, I was like, ah, ah. Um, but I would absolutely 100% go to Hot Topic, buy Sleeping With Sirens and Bring Me The Horizon shirts and wear them while secretly like, closet listening to like one direction solely <laughs> well yeah for, for me I, I wear literally the studded belts like there are photos of me like on facebook or whatever like straightened hair blink 182 shirt studded belt skinny jeans and then i'm listening to bon Iver, like in my like free time yeah you know yeah i, I actually had a gears of war belt from oh, hot topic that God. i bought from hot topic <laughs> the, like gears of war logo that was like about as cringe as you could get yeah <laughs> Blink-182 was, like, just on the edge of being, like, oh, this is almost yelling, but it's not. But it's not, so it's okay. But, yeah, no, I mean, when we talk about it a lot on the show, and it's something that that we've been feeling in our, our sort of pop world here, is just we're tired of hearing, like, the same kind of lyrics over and over. And one of the things we really like about how you write is that it just is is wordy and interesting and unique and like runs this sort of circle around concepts. You know, I think that like so often people like concepts, but then like it it's nothing, nothing, nothing. And then they drop the line as like the hook. And then we're like, okay, wait, but you didn't set up the concept at all. Yeah. Like every one of your songs is like, if this is what it's about, everything is in service to it. And I think well, that's it's a really, really great way of writing. That is very nice of you to say. 
Thank you for saying that. I, <laughs> I like everyone else, am constantly tired of the things that I hear immediately on hearing them. And a lot of the stuff, I mean, not to shit on the radio because, you know. I don't think uh, the FCC will allow you to uh, shit yeah. on the radio. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> but um, not to shit on the radio. But there's just so much that I'm like, oh, this could have been such a good concept or you could have done this like so much better and you just didn't. And not that that's bad because like people are buying it, but it's oftentimes like when I'm writing, I'm like, there are times where I know I could say something and it'd be fine and I could finish the song or I could think about it for like mm, three more months and I'll come up with something like that much <laughs> right. better. Well, and for what it's worth, I think that like credit where it's due, I do like that like Olivia Rodrigo is at least like pushing the envelope in that space. Like deja vu at least. Is like a tight concept, like it, oh yeah, like but but uh, but I I would have a tough time naming other crazy stuff that's out right now that has that same kind of like at least like super mainstream, super stuff. super mainstream stuff that's like as cohesive as that. Did you do theater in in high school and all that? I not only did theater in high school, I did theater in middle school. I did theater over <laughs> yep. summers. I fortunately, well, not fortunately, because I missed it as the second I stopped doing it. I didn't do it in college, um, but then I took a theater class to make up for it and went and saw like every single show that my college did, that MTSU did, just to like get a glimpse of like, <laughs> oh, theater, I miss theater. But yeah, I was, I was a very, very big theater nerd and all of my friends in high school, we were all just a part of the company at our school. And that was how we all became friends. I don't want to brag or anything, but my mom uh, was like a theater teacher in my hometown. So like we, you know, I would be in shows and see shows really regularly, but also I grew up in suburban New York. So I was able to see Broadway shows like, you know, my mom would do the lottery literally like every day. And yeah. we would just like, I think we got like Hamilton tickets for like 60 bucks or 70 bucks. Like she was just on that thing. You like, lucky like son so of a bitch. early. To, like original cast, like no no money. Just yeah, she loved just like finding stuff early and like just going and and yeah, a lot of a lot of my early life was just like going to the theater on the weekends. You know, so I'm a big theater kid. You were literally yeah, Sweeney was, Todd I in was, your school I, production. I played Sweeney Todd in the tenth grade. I was I was not killing one, people not, in the tenth grade. Shame on you. In the tenth grade, I got to kill my best friend on stage. It was great. <laughs> I, yeah, I essentially. Because my, my school was on the smaller side and there just weren't a ton of people doing like who were musically or just even just acting wise as involved or as as zealous about it as I was. So I ended up being the the star of every show. <laughs> just Also, just because I was just a teacher's pet and my theater teacher loved me. So yeah. I, I did like from the seventh grade to to the to senior year, I, we did two shows a year and I was in all of them. So I, I just completely went hard in high school. And yeah, like likewise, I didn't do any theater in college, partially because I was like... It was actually my, my in my senior year, my music teacher sat me down and was like, you say you want to be a musician, but all of your time is spent doing theater. Don't you want to like be a musician? And he, that was like the wake up call of like, oh, yeah, actually, I do want to do music. And I, I went had to the and- same fucking talk, the same fucking right. talk. And they were like, you should because I was in chorus, too. But they were like, you should drop out and you should focus more time on chorus. You should join some sort of church chorus. And I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> no, thank you. What was your favorite musical to be in? And then what is your favorite musical full stop? Okay. Okay. Well, let me think about this. I was in quite a few. Okay. Well, I was in Susical twice. So not that one. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was in Susical twice. So 
<laughs> I would say my favorite was I was in Phantom of the Opera. Our Ooh, high school nice. did Phantom. And when okay, 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 okay. I know what you're thinking. I know what anybody who's heard of Phantom is thinking as they're listening right now. They're gonna be like, oh, a high school did Phantom. It was probably ass. It was not ass. It was really good. <laughs> I was not a main character, okay, at all. I was a dancer. Um, I was like in a corset and, you know, splayed out, but loved it. We did a really, really good job. And we had like the chandelier drop. And so that was really cool just to be a part of. Wait, that's yeah. crazy that, yeah, and also crazy. terrifying. It I would wasn't not wanna, bad. I would not want to be in a high school auditorium when the chandelier drops. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> like it's one thing when it's one thing like Broadway and there's unions and there's like a whole thing. It's another thing like you're in a high school and the chandelier drops. Like your first thought isn't this is part of the show. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely honed in like the older crowd of like the elderly that knew the musical and was like, oh, look, there's the chandelier that's going to come down, you know? Um, <laughs> I thought you were, so were going to be like, had, we put the elderly in the blast zone. <laughs> so if anything happened, the chandelier fell on them. They knew. I'm just saying it wasn't people that didn't know it was coming, okay? It was people that that's knew fair, that's the fair. chandelier was going to drop. We had like a boat. It was so cool. Um, yeah, they gave our high school way too much money to put on shows and we did a Be sorry. That was my favorite one, I think, to be a part of, even though I wasn't like the main character or a main I was never a main character. I think the best I like ever got in terms of role was in Susical. I was like the sour kangaroo. So I was like a bitch. And that was the whole role. Never the main character is a good song title, if I may. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 You know what? Ideas. Ideas going on. But um I think that my favorite musical overall, maybe, which is funny that you brought up Jason Robert Brown, because I think it may be the last five years, which I feel uh, like I, is, I, I'm shocked. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sure that you're Shocking. Just, wow, Leanna, we would have never, ever guessed that from Came you. Came out of left field. Complete, complete mind blow. Yeah. Just, yeah, I... We we couldn't we wouldn't have been able to have guessed that in, in ever years yeah and we wouldn't be able to guess that in five years you mm -hmm. know my favorite show that I was in I was in thirdly modern Millie and I had fun with the speed test because I was Trevor Graydon so that was fun and you know like the, the girl I had a crush on at the time was Millie so that was always like fun to have like a little flirt in the beginning and then yeah I think I think honestly it's tough because I think my favorite show for the music is is the last five years. Because the music's nuts. Like the music all like back to back, everything is amazing. But I think as far as like shows that I've like sat down and seen and loved. So I've actually never seen the last five years live. I just somehow missed it and then just got the soundtrack. Actually, I'm omitting a fun little detail, which is when my parents got divorced. My mom wouldn't stop listening to the last five right. years. So it was just in her car and I drove her car. And then I would just, that was the only CD in the car. Right. And the aux didn't work. So I was like, guess we're listening to the last guess five we're listening years. Guess we the last five years. Right. But at that point, it had been off Broadway. It had been, uh, you know, I, we had, I'd missed the boat on it. But um, I was like born on the day that rent opened. So I definitely feel like a sort of kinship to it. It's incredible. Like the music's yeah. so good. Yeah. I'm a fan. I've seen it. I've seen it live. I thought it was really good when I saw it. I've also seen the last five years live as well. But there's not a lot going on in that when you're seeing it on a stage. So if you don't know the music, I mean, trying to explain to my mom that like his songs work forward backwards. and her songs work backwards was like, it was a task that I still to this day have not been able to achieve completely. <laughs> 
Um, so anybody that like doesn't know is just sitting there being like, what the fuck is this? What is going on? My, my girlfriend, by the way, says that you, you sound like like late stage uh, Sarah Bareilles. Tell your girlfriend I said thank you. She also wanted you to know that uh, Diet Coke made her uh, cry uh, a lot. Um, oh my uh, God. Like a lot, a lot. And that might be a pretty decent segue to talk about your new song, Diet Coke. If I could do it all again, would I still drink Diet Coke? Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Holy moly. It's fucking great. It's so good. I'm glad you think so. Uh, there, okay. I was unaware that on speaking about like something that happened to me, that some people were going to say like my experiences and me making fun of them was like bad and made me a bad person. And so what I've been- What do you mean? <laughs> okay. Well, I've been having this whole, okay, the past five days, the song has been out for five days, right? four days. It's been doing the best that any of my songs have ever done. And that's great, you know, or it should be great. But I've, I had no idea like how guilty I was going to feel when there were, there's obviously like a lot of people being like, oh my God, I love this song. I get this song. I relate to this song. I understand the feeling. This song saved my life. You know, there's an overwhelming mass of those comments. And then there's a mass of comments being like, this song glamorizes eating disorders because you didn't make it tragic enough or you didn't talk about how your hair falls out or stuff like that. And so it's just been very hard as an artist to feel as though you're putting out a song because you want people who are going through that to know that they're not alone in going through that or in thinking like that. Because when I was going through it, which was not recently, I'm like, I've been in recovery for several years. I felt like the most alone I had ever felt. And to have some people be like, this really helps me. And then to have some people be like, this is really triggering to me. You you know, you run into this in all kinds of media of like, how do you talk about an experience that you've actually had in a way that's like authentic to you that might not connect with people who have had similar experiences? You see comedians run into it all the time, like comedians who talk about uh, their experiences with, you know, drugs or, or abuse or mental health their way of coping with it, their way of like processing it and their way of feeling less alone in it and hopefully making others feel less alone in it is through humor. And I think that like, I, you know, I'm so impressed and and grateful to you and and, and proud of you for putting out a song like this that is so candid, but talks about the experience in a way that is authentic to you, like in your Broadway sensibilities, in your way of like taking a phrase and spinning it and finding different angles to approach it. Um, you know, with that said, like, uh, you know, something like Spotify or Apple Music, it's not like there's an easy way of putting a trigger warning right. on the music you listen to, you know? And I think that as as we kind of go along, maybe our platforms will become better about, like, being able to flag those things prior to. Maybe you even, like, or able to like put in little filters of like little uh, triggers of what it could be. And then, you know, you set for your own account. Well, I don't want to listen to anything on shuffle that has these triggers or I want to be warned prior to if I select the song. But until we have those kinds of things, I don't think it is the responsibility of the artist to be 
trigger mindful if there isn't a way of doing that that's like meta to the art you know yeah like we put we're gonna probably put in this episode trigger warning for eating disorders but like if somebody if we were to put out a song we couldn't just like start the song by going and by the way (laughs) this song is you know about uh mental health and this and that you know there's no easy way of doing that right now so that's not on that's not on the artist and and i think you talked about it in an extremely authentic and candid way and mentioned a lot of stuff about it that resonated with resonated with um with people who who have gone through it, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously like in writing anything like that, you try to be mindful of like a lot of people are probably going to hear this and it's going to affect people in a lot of different ways. I'm just like of any of my other songs, even like I have a song called Least Favorite Only Child which like TW, I talk a lot about like suicidal Wrapping ideation. your car around a, a yeah, around yeah. the telephone pole. Yeah. yeah. And about wanting to die for attention. And uh, I mean, there was backlash on that, but there wasn't backlash on that the way that there's been backlash on this, which I thought was very strange because I totally thought there was going to be a lot more like pushback on, hey, killing yourself for attention is bad rather than being like your experience is bad for other people's experiences of having an eating disorder, you know? Anyway, I thought it was going to, you know, be very, very helpful and everybody was going to think it was very, very helpful. And then I put it out and I was like, oh, shit, a lot of people hate my guts right now. And that's really (laughs) hard. I've been talking to my label, you know, after all this has happened and people were like, you're glamorizing this. And I was like, I didn't mean to. I was talking about what I felt and thought. I've been talking to my label about, yo, can we like pull promotion on this? Can we... I mean, I don't want to take it down, obviously. I know it's helping a lot more than it's hurting, but the fact that it's hurting anyone at all is, like, obviously weighs on me. And so I've been trying to figure out, like, how to fix that. Well, and it's it's the, the meta irony of the fact that, like, part of how we handle mental health or or, or so much of what uh, of the mental health conversation in the music industry is around a kind of glamorizing anyway. Like, you know, the fact that, that it is like a, a brand to be sad and all of this stuff. Like we, you know, in any kind of like recovery or just trying to get better or find a good place in your mental health, no matter what, you know, is potentially ailing you, uh, there is all of this, well, is this a part of who I am? And if it's a part of who I am, am I authentic for talking about it? Does it glamorize it? If I do, like there's all these meta, meta levels to it that, that again, you know, like I think you're, you're, you're navigating all right. But, you know, I, I feel for you. I'm sure it's a really complicated place to be in. But I think my head is always to like, if, if there's a way to give back to something, if, if it's, you know, about it, then it's a, it's a money where, where your mouth is kind of thing. That's, you know? I mean, the, the unfortunate thing about that is that still doesn't stop that people will still be hurt by the nature of the content like even True. if you if you like promotion you know if you promote something good like it's it's because the song is so real i think that like i th- i think you could find comfort in the fact that no matter what it strikes a chord with people even if it makes people uncomfortable and and makes people feel things that maybe they didn't want to feel i mean i think that the, you know like we talked about the trigger warnings like that's that there's no there's no preventing people from being exposed to stuff they don't want to be exposed to in music that way. But I think that I think it speaks to the power of the song and and the how well written it is that 
that it has that capacity to make people feel things that deeply. Unlike everything else that we listen to, which is manufactured to be safe listening. Yeah. Or not even safe listening, just like, you know, numbed out. You don't feel anything when you're listening to the radio, you know? Obviously, it's not good that people are hurt by it, but I think it's like you should be proud of the fact that that it's it is such a deeply resonant song. And that your, inti- that your intentions were good. Your intentions yeah, your were intentions good. were good. And you I've been going through my own little, you know, internet search of like, were people mad at Beach Bunny when she released Prom Queen? Were people mad at Sarah Kay's when she put out Smaller Than This? Because there were songs that I really like related to and resonated with that were about the same kind of thing. And I mean, everybody that has an ED at some point is pro their own ED. That's why it's so hard to not have an eating disorder when you have one or hard to recover from it is because when you have it, it feels very nice and very good to have one. And you feel Mm -hmm. like it keeps you safe from external things, whether that be like being fat or being unhealthy or, or, you know, even opposite side of the spectrum of like being too skinny or, you know, whatever your ED may be. And so I think like the nature of any sort of game that I had not or the nature of, you know, putting out a song like that, that I had not um, previously considered until it was already out, was that as much as it's going to help, like, 99% of people, there's also going to be that 1% that's in your ear being like, how dare you put this out, even though, like, you're just talking about something that happened to you. And we, we talk about it a lot on the show that it's, you know, so much of what we make are, like, these if if we're lucky, there are these diary entries that are cathartic in being able to express them. And but we are writing them at the end of the day, like in our rooms or in our sessions and, and whatnot. And you have an idea. And oftentimes it's it's an optimistic idea of how it'll connect with people. But when you're writing it, you're really just making sure that you're being honest to yourself. And then maybe you're thinking about like, oh, I really hope this connects and helps with with people. And yes, it's going to connect and help people. And that's all you're you're thinking about. Um, and then, you know, it comes out and, and it becomes clear that there are a lot of people in the world, you know. And, um, <laughs> Suddenly it's more than you. But, you know, for what it's worth, like, and everybody, everybody's feelings being absolutely valid, I on a one-to-one conversation with you, the song has resonated with friends of mine in a positive way who have gone through it. Um, so they, it wasn't triggering um, or it was in a way that was like cathartic and felt kind of like connecting. But yeah, on, uh, you know, on the other hand, I think every time you put out a song that is authentic and, and courageously candid, sure there'll be stuff, but worth feeling proud of its existence. You yeah. Know? And, and want you to know that we, we really liked it. And it's, Thank you. Uh, I, ho- I hope, I hope, whatever the trouble is or the backlash is to it now, um, you know, the backlash to the backlash to the backlash, you know, uh, that, it, that, that you find like a piece in it and that, that hopefully it nets positive, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it is. I mean, and that's kind of the thing of like, I've been getting messages all day long yesterday, this week, blah, 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 since it's been out, even before it was out, because I had posted snippets of it, like, you know, before it ever came out, um, of people being like, wow, this song like saved my life. This song made me want to get better, you know? And it's all those that like, even though I'm feeling very guilty about like the ones that it didn't have that reaction for, I can't negate ever, would never be able to negate somebody being like, this song saved my life, you know? And and also for what it's worth, the irony is that getting hundreds of messages about, like your the last five days have been about ED, 
maybe that's triggering too. Like you, you have put yourself in the line of your own fire, you know? Yeah. I mean, I am, I don't think anybody that ever has one, like ever fully, absolutely recovers. I mean, you just can't, there's no way to erase that kind of like thinking or knowledge from your brain. You can learn to like kind of tune it out, but you can never get rid of it. (laughs) Um, And so in making this song, it was obviously like, in making any sort of mental health song or any song in general that is authentic to you. It was a very cathartic process and it made me like, it, it felt really good to write this pop punk-esque song that was satirical and sarcastic and angry at this thing that had like had such a hold on me at one point and that didn't anymore. And so now I have, I'm not like reverting back or anything in terms of like ED relapses, but it is very hard to like, now feel as though people aren't angry at that song or at their ed like they're angry at me for singing about mine and so my whole like head for the past five days has been like you shouldn't have talked about it you shouldn't have talked about it you shouldn't have (laughs) talked about it and i know eventually those sort of like guilty anxiety feelings about that will go away because i do believe overall overall net positive for everyone (laughs) involved that you are forced to face those feelings or that you're thinking about it in this like satirical angry way rather than this like woe is me tragic girl has an eating disorder song which is why I also like really loved prom queen by beach bunny and was so like when that song blew up I was like yes 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 you know like because it was just angry angry at that even though it wasn't like denouncing it well and for, for what it's worth the top song on the radio for an entire summer was was the suicide hotline song by logic <laughs> and uh Alicia Cara like and I was having a tough time that summer, and I didn't feel better by, by him screaming, who can relate, but Whoa. but <laughs> the fact that like like the people calling the suicide hotline increased by a massive amount after yeah. the song came out yeah. means that, okay, maybe it didn't work for me. Maybe I didn't love like being reminded that that uh, you know, <laughs> my darkest day is right around the corner, but <laughs> that uh, you know, maybe it, it but that it did help so many people. Yeah. Even though it wasn't necessarily my personal cup of tea. Like, I think that that's... Yeah. The difference is, is though, like, hearing something on the radio and hearing something on TikTok is, like, on TikTok, you have the immediate, I can tell this person that I hate this fucking song, you know? But they they just as quickly, like, you hear more of the song if you write a comment. You could just as quickly scroll through. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, I, f- I found you on TikTok. If you weren't my cup of tea, I could have just scrolled. I had no, you know, I... <laughs> I was I was gripped by the Jason Robert Brown of it all, but um. <laughs> yeah, especially the song you saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was that one called again? Like what? It's not finished, so there is no name. But um, I will say right now, it's called like Survivor's Guilt, or like it never gets better. <laughs> or, like, Wonderful, like <laughs> very nice. Yeah, you said uh, when I DM'd you about it that like you were maybe writing a musical. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing a musical. Um, I've been writing a musical or I've been trying to write a musical for about like two months now. I've, I'm like four or five songs in, but we've got the whole like plot laid out. We've gotten some scenes written out. We've gotten some people in, like interested in investing, which is super cool. Ooh. Um, yeah, but I've just, yeah, I've been working on that. And so all of my like, especially music theater songs that like have been doing well on TikTok, I'm like, hmm. Maybe I could, maybe I could fit that in somewhere. What's the, what's the plot of the, uh, if, if I may ask, is it, is yeah. it disclosable yet? Basically two brothers. 
One brother, his name is Bastion. Other brother, his name is Leo. They're both in this royal kingdom and they have a queen and a king dad, right? The queen gets very sick. No surprise, the woman dies. Anyway. Fridged. (laughs) Spoiler alert, that comes much later on in the story. But um, Fridged. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the woman dies, of course, and always. But um, she falls very ill and she's like, please go make things right with this nation we've been trying to conquer for forever. And the king is like, I will do the right thing and I'll go do that. And so he tries to go do that. And then um, he gets killed for even trying. Yeah, because he's basically like, you can give over your land for free or we'll take it from you. And they're like, we're going to slaughter you. So then they do. And basically Leo goes and he fights in this war. Leo's our main character. Sorry, this is, just sounds like a lot of rambling right now because I'm very excited yeah, about no, this musical. We're, we're, in. we're invested. Bastion becomes king. Leo becomes King of the army. There's a word for that. General. Something like that. General? King of the army. Yeah. Has has been how Captain? I'm describing it. And he goes and he he goes and he fights in this war. But the thing is though, but the thing is though, is that Leo is in love. He's in love. So he's leaving behind his like love. And when he comes back, that person that he loves is like already married to somebody else. No. So that's like the whole like that's not the main conflict. The main conflict is colonization and like toxic masculinity. That's like the main themes. But then also gay heartbreak. So. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, is there, is there a name for it yet? Yes. <laughs> Can I hear it? Can we get the exclusive? I didn't come up with it, but it's called Swordsworn. And nice. <laughs> very fun. I know. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I'm developing it with um, one of the producers at Critical Role. If you guys are familiar with like D&D. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Which, yeah. Which producer? Uh, Spencer Stark. So I've, uh, the whole fantasy, you know, land awesome. is, has been not really my realm. Uh, I don't really love fantasy, but since I've been writing fantasy, I love fantasy. It's been so cool. I feel, I feel the same. I get like fixated on things for like extended periods of time. And I'm just like, for this month, I will be an expert in pirates. Or like <laughs> this month, I know everything about pickles. Like I get really. <laughs> that is. Ex- I, okay. Well, me saying, yeah, it's this month. It's this. It's not. It's just one thing all the time. I know so much about Scientology. It's ridiculous. Wow. Well, you got to come out to LA. We have all the fun Scientology videos. Girl, on the tour. that's why I can't go to LA. They'll know. <laughs> they'll oh, no. know. They'll know I they, know. They, and they'll target me. No. But you know too much. You you know too much to fall for it at this point. Well, I know I, I know not to get involved, but that also means I know not to get involved. I know the fucking truth. Okay. Okay. We have like a an, uh, like a bin of fake mustaches. If you want, like a good oh, okay, disguise. perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I think disguise, that's exactly we'll what right I need. Up. Yeah. The first time I come to LA, I'm gonna come collect my mustache. Okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. We'll, we'll, we got you stocked. We got you prepped. Yeah. Pausing the podcast to shout out our sponsor, New Wave. No, I've been drinking coffee my entire life. You know, as a, as a Roman, same. As a New Yorker, absolutely. It's our birthright. It's our birthright. We came out of the womb drinking coffee. Fully caffeinated. And the thing is, is that we're not getting any younger. That's true. And we're not getting any less anxious. Oh man, that's true too. I'll say I have loved coffee my whole life, but lately it hasn't really been agreeing with me. How so? 
Unfortunately, when I drink coffee now, I just start feeling very agitated, very anxious. I've been looking around for alternatives that don't make my heart just beat out of my chest while I'm in the middle of working. And that's how we stumbled upon New Wave. New Wave's Flow State Coffee is an organic ground coffee meant to lower anxiety, improve brain function, and support creativity. With L-theanine and raw cacao, Flow State Coffee is meant to feel like a cup of hot chocolate or tea while giving the energy of coffee. And now, through Talking Lion, you can try a couple cups of your own. If you go to their website, newwave.co, that's N-O-O wave.co, you can use the code BREWINGLION for 10% off your first order. We hope you get a creative boost and find your flow state. Now, back to the show. So are you, are you like working towards like a record or something? Like, are you putting it all like together? Yes, 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 yes. I've been working on a record. I've been working on a record for 20 years, but uh, <laughs> officially working on it since like, uh, I don't know, like March or April. It's called Forward Slash. Ooh, yeah, it has a name and everything. Is um, it going to have like, like Diet Coke and like... Yes. Uh, strawberry Mentos and all that on it? Not Strawberry Mentos, but Hyde and okay. Diet Coke will both be on it. So cool. it's kind of a concept album, which is, I normally am not a big fan of concept albums, but it's my concept, so it's a good one. <laughs> so basically, you know how artists who don't finish their songs will sometimes put in slash tracks, so it'll be like two songs on one on one track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Every song is that. Except, That's awesome. Except, except... One song will be finished and the other one will be like an interlude that'll be either about the same person, about the same thing, about the same general idea, whatever, whatever. It's nice that you think about your your record in terms of like projects though. I think we're, we're working right now on, on a record that is our fir- first time kind of thinking about it like a record. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yes. I have started calling like everything that I write um, as... All of it is a part of the LMU, which is like the Liana musical universe. Um, (laughs) So there's a lot of like cross referencing on the album that is super exciting to me. I can't wait for people to be like, wait, but you said this here and then you said it again here in two different contexts. Like I'm Mm. so, I'm so excited about it. But anyway, Hyde, um, Hyde has a slash track called I Do, which is about the same person. And then Diet Coke actually has this last track that's called Inside. And both of those were TikToks, which is really like part of making it like, a, you know, a slash track. And here's your little interlude is uh, an homage to where I started or whatever. Um, well, how long have you been on TikTok for? Like, when did you? Because I first saw you on TikTok. And at that point, you'd already been pretty well established yeah. uh, in the TikTok verse. How did you first sort of get TikTok? Was it during the pandemic? Yes. Because of course it was. <laughs> Just like everyone else, apparently. So what had happened was, I, I mean, I was on TikTok for like a long time, like probably since like 2018, 2019. And I had posted my fun little videos for like me and my friends. And I had some that like did well for me at the time, which I thought was like, you know, the height of fame. And it had like 7,000 likes. Um, I used to make TikToks <laughs> about One Direction. Nice. Very big fan. Very big fan. Very big fan. I used to make TikToks about One Direction, about like Harry Styles and stuff. And so like every now and then like one of those would get like a thousand likes or like 6,000 likes or something. And I'd be like, people know me. It's whatever. (laughs) Um, So basically I had like 500 followers, I want to say from that, which was like mainly like my friends and then a few random people that had followed me. A few like, you know. Directioners. Yeah, directioners that had followed me from like that content back in the day. 
And then during the pandemic, I started watching uh, anime because, you know, I feel like everybody got to a point in the pandemic where there was like, I might as well just like try this new thing, you know, um, whatever that new thing may have been. And so one of my friends would not shut right, up about right. anime, about like watching anime and how good anime was and how much like he loved, you know, Attack on Titan and One Piece and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Lane, shut up but also give me a recommendation. And so he recommended to me this um, anime called Your Lie in April. And then that got me on like a whole bunch of other ones that I started watching, you know. Your Lie in April is wild with the piano. And I mean, he recommended it to me because he was like, you do music or whatever, you'll like this. And I was like, you're right, I loved it. But a really bad one to intro me to, like very sad. It's a really weird, yeah, it's a really weird anime. It's very sad, but also it's just like, it's the epitome of like like that Death Note joke of like I'll take a chip and eat it. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like it's it's you know it was, it's a lot of him like at the piano like losing his shit. Yeah, um. and he's like, "Am I crazy? Probably. Pro- yeah, probably. Also, who knows? My mom's yeah. the villain of this, even though she's not around. Anyway, that's like <laughs> yeah. So that was my you know." first intro and then I started getting on to like a bunch of other ones because I had time to binge watch because it was the pandemic it was like July and I wasn't in school I was working at Smoothie King shout outs to Smoothie King I worked at three different ones one of them had bugs but I still go there anyway (laughs) so I was working there and I was watching my little anime and one day I was at Smoothie King and I had never seen an anime uh TikTok before like at all I'd never seen one on my For You page. I was like, I don't know if there's an audience for this, but like, I'll post my little anime TikTok because all of my friends were getting tired of hearing about me talking about anime because they didn't give a shit and they didn't watch anime. Um, So I was like, well, I guess I'll post it to, you know, people on the internet thinking it would get like 200 views or something. And the very first one that I posted got like 300,000 views and like a hundred something thousand likes and like, a number of thousands of comments. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll do this now. And so I like, I started building this following around anime and I was just like, what am I going to do with this? Like, I just started watching this like last month. The only reason I even posted about it because all of my friends were angry at me for talking about it on my Snapchat private story. And so (laughs) basically within like, I want to say it was like 10 days. It may have been less. I hit like 10,000 followers and I was like, ah, (laughs) all right, I guess I talk about anime now. And so basically I started uh, trying to loop that back into me being a songwriter and like me wanting to be a singer-songwriter. And so I started writing songs about characters. And so Strawberry Mentos is about a character. Sun Eater is about a character. Wait, what, what, what was uh, Strawberry Mentos about? Strawberry Mentos was about Yamaguchi from Haikyuu. Okay. Yeah. And wait, what was Sun Eater about? Sun Eater was about Tomiki from My Hero Academia. Right. Okay. Well done. <laughs> and then uh, Burnt Out was about Dobby from My Hero Academia. That Okay. That'll definitely do it. So it was all just me being like, I think they would do this. And then people were like, yeah. Was Strawberry Mentos like the first one that kind of popped off on the TikTok sphere? When you say popped off, okay, yeah, sure. It, it, it was the first, you know, song of mine that like went big. It got like... 50,000 likes. And I was like, I have to put it out. So many people care about it. It was like 50,000. And I thought, you know, overall, like maybe ever that it was going to get like 10,000 streams. Cause you know, I was in school and like hitting 10,000 streams was a lot for like 
somebody going to school um, and having no following or whatever. And I was like, maybe it'll hit like 10,000 streams one day. And then it came out and the next day it hit 12,000 streams. Like it did 12,000 in a day. And I was like, ha, <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> I guess I'm an artist now. <laughs> Welcome so, to the internet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that started. And then slowly over time, I started to transition into just making singer songwriter stuff and like singing. Cause that's, I mean, that was always the goal. I didn't, I wasn't prepared at all to like be somebody that was talking about anime and like the nuance of the anime community and all that kind of thing. <laughs> so anime, I, be, be the official anime musical yeah, uh, writer. Yeah. Composer, and yeah. so I was like, and I mean, now there are people like that do what I, what I did. I mean, which is super cool. I don't know if they were there before me or not, but I never saw anything about anime until after I started posting. You left it, a so. power vacuum that started an anime war. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But now I just do, you know, what I always wanted to do, which was singing, right? My favorite song of yours, though, is Two Weeks Notice. Nobody can replace you, but I'm gonna try to. A silent resignation. God, that's just like you. You're a no-call, no-show kind of guy. Doing just what you gotta do to get by. And if you wanted to freelance, I don't know why you ever applied to a nine-to-five. That That's, a, like, lyrically an insane song. I just love how you, like, again, use all the sort of language around the concept to get all these pieces together while also sounding really, really personal and also extremely lived in. What inspired that? Ah, okay, yeah. So I've only ever been broken up with. And when I, okay, well, red flag number one, I've only ever been broken up with. But I've also never, <laughs> I've, I've never dated anyone. It's always been like talking stages and then, they don't like me anymore. And so um, that's, you know, what that is what it is. But basically I was, it was funny. I came up with a song in my car on the way to record something else. I think it was like, I think it was Hyde or something. I was like, I was on my way to record something else. And I was like going through my whole mental acrobatics of like, everything is my fault all of the time. And um, <laughs> yeah, you know, anxiety. As it goes, yeah. And, um, we, lo we love a spiral. We love a good spiral on a yeah, Sunday. A spiral you know? in the car. And so I was, I was thinking to myself, and I was like, "Dang, they really only liked me because I liked them." And I kind of got into like this, like you know, previous relationship that had happened, and I was thinking about like literally everybody that had ever loved me, and wondered if they had only ever loved me out of feeling as though they were obligated to because I loved them. <laughs> and so I got into this whole, you know, being in love with me must have felt like some sort of like chore or job that you had to do. And you mm. didn't really want to do, but like there were certain benefits of like being in love with me that were really good and really awesome, but they eventually didn't outweigh, you know, that the pay was shit or that the management, you know, the quote unquote pay was shit, the management was shit, the, the job was bad, you know, and then you leave and you turn in your two week notice and also because I am an overthinker and like I said, spiral a lot, I mm. can almost notice like when people are about to, you know, exit their talking stage and be like, our time was amazing. You're awesome. And it's not your fault. Um, even though that's what <laughs> everybody else has ever said to you ever. 
but I don't, I'm not in love with you. And so I kind of got into this whole thing of like, I think I could have like told you two weeks before anybody like broke up with me that they were about to break up with me. And I always want to be wrong. And I never am. <laughs> I'm yeah, never Yeah, I always wrong. get like a gut feeling when things are about to go sideways. Like, and I'm always just like, oh, you're like anxious and reading into this too much. And then like, you know, two weeks later they break right. up. And I'm just like, no, I read into this perfectly. Like, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've come to this conclusion that I don't always have anxiety. Sometimes I'm just right. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's that. also um, the same thing happened when my parents got divorced. Um, my okay, I actually really would love to talk about this because it's very Please funny do. now yeah, yeah. that I'm not hurting anymore. Um, so my parents uh, have not gotten divorced; they are getting a divorce. And the day that they were going to tell me that they were getting a divorce, I felt it. And we live, you know, an hour and away, an hour and a half away from each other. Like we don't talk, we don't talk to each other every day or whatever. But my dad was like, "Hey, do you want to get dinner?" And it was like a Monday. And I was like, You're like, you guys are getting fucking divorced. Yeah. <laughs> and so I felt it. And I was with my roommates when I had gotten that text. And I was like, I think my parents are going to tell me they're getting a divorce. And they were like, Leanna, why would you say that? Like, they literally just asked you to go to dinner. Like, maybe they're just trying to be nice. And I was like, mm. And so my parents were like, what restaurant do you want to go to? And I was like, I get to pick. I get, I get to pick. I get to go to wherever I want. And I was, and they were like, yeah, sure. So I picked some like shitty pizza restaurant I'd never been to before. And we sat on this shitty pizza restaurant's balcony and we ate their shitty pizza. And I was like determined to be a bitch um, at the bad news dinner because um, I was like- um, <laughs> Bitch at the bad news dinner. Yeah, I was like, if we're gonna make a whole thing of it, we're gonna make a whole thing of it. So we had gotten to like, you know, things were winding down. They still hadn't said anything. I knew they were going to say something. And so I was like, hey, guys. Um, so I decided earlier that I'm going to drop out of college. Does anyone have anything to say about that? And so, yeah. <laughs> you dropped oh a bad news dinner yourself. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, that's, that's you're like, you're like, like I, I bet you're wondering why I brought you here. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I bet you guys are, you know, just been really concerned about how I'm feeling. Hey, Augie, can you not do that? Anyway. What's your um, dog's name? Augie. He's whining Aww. because <laughs> my friend's friend is here and he wants to go see him. But um, uh, gotcha. But if he does, then he'll bark. And so anyway, so I was like, yeah, if this is going to be bad news dinner, it's going to be bad news fucking dinner, bitch. So I was like, I'm dropping out of college. Talk amongst yourselves. And they're, and they're like, that's fun. We're getting divorced. Gotcha. Well, they were really, they were angry at me for wanting to drop out of college. And I was like, <laughs> but I have half a million followers on TikTok. You know, like that was like, <laughs> that was my argument. And so then we kind of got to the end of arguing about that. And I looked at them and I was like, does anyone have anything else they would like to say? And my mom was like, Rick, do you have something you would like to say to Leanna? And my dad was like, <laughs> No. And so my mom was like, we're getting, and she, she didn't say it. So I just looked at her and I was like, you're getting a divorce. And she's like, how did you know? And I was like, damn, uh, I don't know. I just guessed. I don't, I don't know. She was like, an, you know, how did you know that? And I was like, I don't, I don't fucking know. But um, yeah, so then I, I took a selfie in the parking lot with my parents when we got kicked out of the restaurant because we stayed there until they closed um, because we were all crying. And so then I took a selfie with them in the parking lot so that if I ever <laughs> use it for material, that I have an album cover. And they they thought that was very funny. 
And I thought it was very funny. Oh and I was like, when God. this doesn't hurt anymore, <laughs> this is going to be very hilarious. Basically, r- before my parents actually like told us they were going to get divorced and, and sort of came upon their conclusion that they were going to get divorced, they decided to try an open relationship, which as far as my brother and I were concerned, like we didn't need to, like it was, nobody knew. Like it wasn't like they like sat my brother and I down and were like, by the way, we're going to be in an open relationship. It was very much a private between them. They are going to do this as a maybe last ditch kind of uh, effort at, you know, rekindling the marriage or whatever. Again, my brother and I would not have been none the wiser. They probably would have come to their divorce conclusion on their own and we would have never known about any of it if it wasn't for the fact that I bought a new iMac and I didn't have my own Apple ID. So I used my mom's, which was the only Apple ID in the house I used for like iTunes and stuff. And I signed into Messenger and I thought it was my own messenger. And all of a sudden I saw uh, a a human male genitalia. <laughs> and I immediately closed out and, and freaked out. And I called my friend and I said, I'm, I'm being hacked. And my <laughs> friend's like, uh, you're not you're not being hacked. You really can't be hacked on like, you know, an iCloud. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then ha- explain the dick pic. And he's like, what account are you signed into, Nate? I'm like, oh my God, my mom is cheating on my dad. <laughs> so I, the next day I'm like, I'm fuming, I'm upset, I'm freaking out. And I call my mom and I'm like, I can't believe you would do this. How dare you? You're awful. Like all of this stuff. Like I really just like let her have it and then hung up. And she's like, I can explain. And I'm like, that's what they all say. And then I like hung up. <laughs> and then then my dad calls and he says, hey, it's not what it looks like. And then I'm like, now I don't know what it looks like. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. And I, I you know, I, I get home that day, like very like confused. And he explains the situation. And I'm like, this is weird. And my dad's like, no, it's a good thing. Like, it means we're not going to get divorced. <laughs> and then like <laughs> two weeks later, actually about a month later. Uh, no, actually like four months later, they like sit us down and they're like, you know, they're like, we're getting divorced. I'm just like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And it, and it, was, and it was one of those things where, I mean, obviously I cried that day. Like, I'm not going to pretend like like I didn't. But broadly, it was one of those things where, where I like emotionally felt like, they're like, we're getting divorced. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Also, you're being financially cut off. What? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. My parents have been like, you got to come home so we can have a talk about your budget. Because, like, my parents pay for my gas and stuff, which is, you know, I'm very grateful for. My parents pay for my gas, and they've been like, maybe we can't do that anymore because we're getting a divorce. And I'm like, then stay together for the kid, all right? Then stay together. (laughs) Nice nice Blink-182 reference, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I'll come up with more by the end of the show. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. But, no, yeah, like, yeah, that that was the thing. I was was just like... I was like, okay, I understand like the like the divorce is like best for you both. Like, you know, it's been a tough couple like months or years, like probably for the best for our whole family dynamic, like for the divorce. You guys are adults. I respect your decision. Uh, and they're like, cool. And yeah, by the way, like you're 20 and you have to pay your own rent. I'm just like, but you guys should like fall in love again. <laughs> like there, you have so much history. There's but so you much- should figure it out for me. 
You think of figure the child. It out. Yeah. Think of me. Yeah. Figure it out. That's how I felt. I mean, and I always, because I was told when I was, I mean, I turned 20 in June and they told me like two months ago, last month or something. And I was like, I'm 20. I'm 20. I should be prepared for this. I don't know. My brain was just like, stop crying about it. You know, you're an adult. Be an adult. But I just got to a point <laughs> where I was like, oh, it's okay that I'm processing this even though I'm, and it, I don't live with them anymore. But there was a certain amount of like, I feel like I should be over this already before it had even began that I wasn't prepared for. And I was angry at myself for like three days <laughs> after that. Well, yeah, I think I think in my head, I'm just like, you guys are getting divorced. Why does it mean I'm divorced from my healthcare? <laughs> like, <laughs> I see like all, all my friends have another like three or four years of like parental, like financial support, you know, in, in, our, in our unprecedented uh, economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Exactly yeah. what you need. My parents were like, they were trying to skirt around it and they were going to be like, but now you'll get two Christmases when my parents are like the worst gift givers in the whole world. Like I've gotten <laughs> shampoo like twice in a row for my birthday. And I'm like, that doesn't mean what? Now I get shampoo and conditioner. Like that doesn't mean anything to me that I now get two Christmases. But I told them straight up. I was like, we're all hurting. What's the term limit before I can start using this for material? And like I told them at dinner to like, you know, make a joke, but I meant it. It was a joke that was serious. And they were like, you can write about it whenever you feel like you need to write about it, Leanna. I, I, you know, I said, I said to them, like, I'm like, does this mean that we have two Christmases now? And they say, Nate, we're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I honestly, like the, the divorce happened like around the time when we started Sleeping Lion. It was actually one of the sort of first sort of lyric, like, song thrusts so our our first record you know I, I like cryptically talked about the divorce I think I'm only like in I'm in I'm doing like a little solo folk thing and I'm only now like explicitly like talking about like mm. using the word divorce and talking about like what that means and all that stuff like I think that I I, I had a lot of fun cathartically talking about it cryptically but I was writing, you know, we were writing in 2015 and, and I thought, well, nobody wants to hear about this specifically. You know, they want to mm. hear, you know, get to the drop already, <laughs> you know, get to the EDM drop of our song by now, you know, Where, whereas now I, I, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, this actually, you know, I, I still don't feel great about how all that went down. And I feel like I, I, I don't want to paint my parents in a bad light. They've, they've been wonderful and supportive and helpful, you know, whenever they've been able to. It's the able to part that has always been, I think, tricky for them, um, just because they are human themselves yeah. and and go go through their ups and downs. But I talked to my parents about that really greatly after like Lisa their only child came out um, because they were not um, happy about that song. We did, did. Did they not hear it before it came? No, out? No, they did, and they weren't happy about it then, and then they weren't happy <laughs> when it came out, um, and then like it had like a very viral moment on TikTok that got like 700,000 likes on my promotion. And and then it got like playlisted on like a bunch of Apple Music. Like it it just took off, I think more than any of us could have ever anticipated. I mean, like the song was doing like 6,000 streams a day. And then I posted that video and then it did 55,000 streams a day. And so they were Holy like, shit. yeah, it was, yeah, it was a big moment. And they were like, it really messed us up as a family that you put that out and I was like you had a job for 18 years of course you were gonna be bad at it sometimes 
And it's okay that I can like criticize it, like criticize the job you did when you were bad at it sometimes while also still being like, I love you though. I'll be home for Christmas though. Both Christmases. Yeah, both of them now. Um, but I was like, if any, if anybody was going to hear that song about themselves and still love me afterward, it was going to be you guys. So of course <laughs> I had to make it about you. My mom is like, why have you never written anything like nice about us? And I'm just like, mom, when I feel good about like my relationship with you and dad, like I called you guys and I talked to you guys two or three times a week. Like when I feel good about my parents, I'm not writing music. I am like talking to my parents right. when I'm feeling not good about it. The way that I don't hold on to it and let it fester and become toxic is I write about it and I yeah. like express it in that medium. Like I'm not going to write the good stuff in the songs because that's not, that's not what they're for. If I'm feeling good about something, I'm not writing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, do you know how hard it is to write a happy song when you're happy? It's fucking impossible. It is impossible. I'm like, it is a, when you write a song, it's a biopsy. Like when you right. write a song, you are taking the precancerous little thing before it gets the chance to fester. You know, you, you, you're, you're doing the surgery and you're looking at this thing like, God, I'm glad I addressed this now because it definitely would have gotten worse if I didn't like, you know, talk about it, you know? When things are going bad, the first place I'm going is my parents' house. And I'm being yeah. like, hey, take care of me now. I need you again. Take care of me again. Um, That's their job. The first people I call, like when shit gets messed up, like when people were commenting on Diet Coke and being like, you're promoting eating disorders. I was calling my dad and being like, am I promoting eating disorders? Because he was like a super <laughs> big fan of Diet Coke. And he was like, Leanna, no, shut up. And so it was, it was really nice to have that grounding, like dad voice of being like, no, shut up, you know? Pausing the podcast to remind you that we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to if you want to support the show. If you're enjoying this episode, but you're thinking that you've got a burning question for an artist, or you just want to talk with us, or maybe you just want to mug with our faces, our Patreon's the way to go. So go to patreon.com slash talking lion to subscribe. Now back to the show. As we've gotten all of, all that mishbucha mishagas out of the way, that's that's uh, that's family bullshit in <laughs> Hebrew and Yiddish. Are you ready for the question round? The question round. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Starting with the random question. What's the biggest lie you told as a child? Okay. Okay. This is, um, okay. It was a lie I told to my mom and not my dad. So basically what had happened was I never partied in high school. Like I said, uh, theater, theater kid. And then I did. And then I threw a party. My parents went away for one weekend when I was a senior in high school, they had never gone away for any other weekend, any other time that I was in high school. And so I threw a party, um, a party with like 10 people. The three people got like alcohol poisoning, were like throwing up. And um, there were these like gigantic fur pillows that we had on my couch at the time that people threw up on. And so I like didn't have time to clean, like get them laundered before my parents got back. And so I just like shoved them in my closet. And I was like, 
you know, panicking, but I was a theater kid and I had a show that I had to go do. And so my parents came home and like everything was clean or whatever. And then my mom was like, where are those pillows? And I was like, I don't know. Something must have happened. And then <laughs> she found them later and she was like, why is there vomit on these pillows? And I was like, well, here's the thing. Daisy, my dog at the time, um, she, you know, I left the pillows on the ground and she threw up on them. And, and I'm just, I thought you would be mad that I left the pillows on the ground. So I was trying to hide it from you. And she was like, Leanna, it's all right. It's fine. It's whatever. That was a lie. And I actually, it was a lie. Like I told, but I came clean when, um, Daisy was dying because Daisy died. And I was like, I cannot have this go on her record. It has to be on mine. And so me and my mom were having this like heart to heart over like this dying dog and me being like, she didn't throw up on the pillows. It was my friend Lane. And like, oh my God. yeah, but she, she washed those pillows. My mom like washed those pillows and she put them on my bed later. So it was total karma because I knew that that was like alcohol poisoning, vomit, throw up pillows. And um, that they were just like now a part of my like bedroom decor. So I totally like got bit in the ass for that one. <laughs> But yeah, that was the biggest lie I ever told. What was what was your biggest lie, bud? There's this one time uh, I got like asked on a date like really late at night. And I just like didn't want to explain it to my parents. So I was just like, I'm just going to like, I'm just having a tough time. I'm just going to like go for a walk and clear my head. <laughs> and ended up having this like romantic rendezvous that my mom totally caught me in the lie. Cause she was just like, you're acting really weird. Cause I'm like, I'm not a great liar. <laughs> so it was it pre- pretty much immediately got, got, um, I had to come clean pretty much immediately, but um, I, I tend, I don't know. I, I'm, I, my parents and I just have the kind of relationship where, where we tell each other everything. I, my mom was like, I always prefer to just hear the truth. Yeah. So I never really like lied to my parents. I guess the, uh, this is as a kid, right? was a question. Yeah. yeah. I guess I answered as an adult. I don't, I actually don't, I don't remember. Well, I, I, I the two things that popped into my head, the first being that like my brother was born in a hurricane in my grandmother's apartment and the umbilical cord got tied off by my pen cap that was found by my grandmother. But after my grandmother passed away, I would tell the story like I found the pen cap, even though I was asleep. For some reason, I like wanted to be like the hero in the story and kind of just like I was young. I was like, you know, I was like eight or nine, but I would tell this story because she wasn't alive to corroborate you know, that like she went into the kitchen and like I was there and I handed her my pen cap. I don't know why that was like an important lie to me, but I, I came clean in a song when, that I wrote when I was like 18. Um, that no, like nobody cared. It wasn't like a big lie. Like it wasn't like, uh, it was a big lie as far as like how much the truth was spread, like my involvement in my brother's birth. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like a big lie as far as like the consequences of the lie. Right. Yeah. I, I've been pretty okay about like, I think that like I would lie about a lot of small things um, or like delusions of grandeur stuff. So there was never like consequences. Like right. I'd be like, you know, like yeah, I, I'd be like, yeah, like I, 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 I hiked for a hundred miles with my grandfather, and be like, that's cool. Like that doesn't. Like, <laughs> we're at lunch. Like that doesn't matter. So I didn't lie in a way that had consequences. Right. But I also realized how easy it was for me to lie. So I, di- I didn't like I would believe my own lies sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm still I've even as an adult caught myself being like, oh, man, I've I've told this story or that story a hundred times. But I need to be aware that like that part never happened. Right. But uh, I actually thought of mine. Actually oh, yeah. thought of, thought, okay. I thought <laughs> of my <laughs> lie. <laughs> this <laughs> one time yeah. I got in, this is like in the fifth grade. 
I got enough like a st- one of those stupid like childish like I don't even remember what it was about. It was about nothing. I got in the stupid fight with a friend of mine. I was over at his house. We were like arguing about something, probably like over a game or like some like thing that got really contentious and heated. And he was in the other room, and I just feeling this pent up rage, stabbed his exercise ball with a pen and deflated it. Just as like a way of like getting back at him. And then he came in. He's like, what happened to my exercise ball? I'm like, I don't know, man. It just like just I heard a pop. <laughs> and I just like that was one of those things that like I've I've never told anyone that I will take to my grave. And I like the, <laughs> I don't think I don't think the truth of that will ever come out to it's the here. person. It's, that, here. it's here now, but I don't think I don't think it'll ever get back to I'm him. I'm going to DM him. I don't even know his name. But I'm going to send it. Send it. To I haven't it. talked to this person <laughs> in many years. The, the one that does come to mind, though, is the first time I, my buddy and I drank. We were like 14 and his mom wasn't home. So we had Bacardi and Captain Morgan spiced rum. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I'm going to drink half of this and half of that. And that should be enough. So I drink half the Bacardi and I'm like, oh, I'm not really feeling it. So he's like, oh, we'll have some more spiced rum. So I drink half of the thing of spiced rum. No human should drink that much rum, I think, in one sitting. Yeah. Because it just smacked me in the face, like how drunk I was. And we had a good time because we were like, we were like pirate level drunk. Um, and it was the first time I was drunk, so it was like a fun feeling. But then when I went to sleep, I got the spins and uh, like immediately threw up on his rug, on his carpet. And so I, I like sick as hell, like I grabbed my thumb so I wouldn't like throw up again. Uh, sick as hell, I like grabbed like paper towels and just tried to clean it. When I realized I couldn't gr- clean it, I like grabbed a piece of paper uh, and I wrote, had some really bad beef jerky. My my stomach got upset and I threw up in my sleep too sick uh, and like too like worn out to clean it up. Sorry, I wrote his, his mom's name. <laughs> and I think to this day, she thinks that I just like had a weak constitution <laughs> <laughs> and didn't like drink, you know, <laughs> half of their rum collection. Next question of the question round. What is your phone background? My phone background is it's, Okay, you guys asked Lizzie McAlpine this question too. I have the same for like both my home screen and my lock my lock screen and my background. Does that make sense? Um, mm-hmm. And it's some picture of some brick wall with the lyrics from a Taylor Swift song on it called Peace. And the lyrics are, all these people think love's for show, but I would die for you in secret. Nice. Ooh, and fun. it's black and white. It's very artsy, very singer-songwriter-esque. Um, exactly what you would expect my phone background to be. But that's both of them. That'll do it. I mean, that'll absolutely do it. <laughs> uh, do you have a non-musical hobby? I used to. Um, I used to journal. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I used to journal when I um, felt as though my days were super interesting. And they weren't, but I thought they were. And so I would write down in my little journal what was happening throughout the day, what was going on, who said what to me. And that kind of stopped because I had to start journaling for a songwriting class. They were like, this will help you be a better songwriter. And whenever I had to do it for a class, I was like, well, now I don't want to. (laughs) And so I haven't journaled since then. But I used I journaled for like five years. Like I was really, really into it. Um, But now I I mean, I still paint. I uh, do like commission paintings for like my family and stuff of like flowers and only flowers. But um, nice. awesome. yeah, very fun. But those are my hobbies. It's there's more art related stuff. I journal a whole lot, so I. Uh, but I, I like journal very like objectively. Like I sort of bullet point what I do in my day, but I don't, you know, and maybe like you know some details about it. But very rarely I'm like, dear diary, I felt this way today. Right. You know, like I'm very. That is exactly very, what I did. Like, 
It's very yeah, it's detailed. a lot more sort of analytical, you know. It's for me, it's like to be able to time travel back to it as opposed to like, you know, read how I was feeling, you know. There were times yeah. I would lie in my journal though. And I would definitely be like, today was a good day. And I'd like cried several times. I didn't want like older me to think younger me was a loser, even though we had lived the same life. Yeah, so, right. that's the thing. I, I found myself like when I was actually like writing journal entries, feeling like I was trying to impress somebody, whether it was yeah. like future yeah. me or like like the historians who would find my journal. Like I, I I kind of felt this like weird pressure to be like like clever or like um you know like have profound, like profound yeah. in, a, in a way that didn't feel like authentic to like how I wanted to journal. Like for me, I like the bullet points because I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. Though in every journal I have on like the last page, I'll write a little letter to myself because it usually takes about like nine months for me to get through it, one of my journals. So it's like a nice kind of like every year or I'll like, you know, hear from my past self. And and I always sign it like, whenever you are, keep going, you know. So I, I, I like I like writing to myself just like one one little note, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's really sweet. All right. Very important question. Most important question on the, the podcast. Most important question. Would you be a pirate? Would I be a pirate? Okay, well, there's a lot of, like, consideration that goes into this, right? Yeah. Okay. I am guilty by nature about all things all the time. I'm not sure I'd be able to steal from anyone and, like, live with myself for a long time. Like, I think I could definitely be a pirate for, like, six months. And then I'd be like, but think of all those rich people I took money from. And I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably be very, very guilty about it. And I'd have to stop doing it. I think I would definitely be compulsed to be a pirate, especially knowing what I know about Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, obviously, after seeing that, yeah, I want to be a pirate. I'm not sure that I could be that. Right. I also don't like violence. Interesting. Mm. I'm not very good with yeah, gore. Well, Though the, I, I feel like I feel like uh, that's like the misconception is that historically pirates weren't necessarily like a majority of them weren't were were, pre- were pretty peaceful. Yeah, you know, it would be more sort of like like psychological combat. Give and, me like, your ship, best. and people were like, ah, yeah, give me okay, <laughs> ah, yeah. It's like it, like oh, you've heard the pirate legends. Like the legends would sound sort of more gory. So that if like you were stopped by a by a pirate ship, you'd be like, well, I don't want to fuck with them because they left no survivors. But that's just the stories, you know. Yeah. Kind of like helped with the sort of psycho. Like I love the the PR. Right. I love like the PR aspect of the pir- of piracy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean the the my knowledge of pirates goes as far as having seen the entire Pirates of the Caribbean franchise movies while having seen none of the Harry Potter movies. I just watched uh, Dead Men uh, Tell No Tales last night. It is so bad. I will... Okay, this is the hill I will die on. Those movies are amazing. (laughs) Even the bad ones. Even the bad ones, all of them are very good. The CGI, amazing. The characters, amazing. The costumes, amazing. I will die on this hill. You can say it's bad. I'm sure it was watching it now. But I remember it being good, so I will die on that hill. No, I think the original trilogy is phenomenal. Like, like actually spellbinding. Like it still holds up. The the Javier Bardem, jo- Johnny Depp in this, you know, uh, in this decade, 
like all of that, like that, it's not, it's not working for me. You know, it just was so, the writing was terrible. Like I, I hated it, but I do love, I do love the original trilogy. Like the original trilogy is insane. Do you have any tattoos? If so, what was your first? Okay. Yes. I have several tattoos, some of which are very bad and were infected and whatever. Okay. Oh no. It's fine. So my first one I have on my side, on this side, hold on. And it says, Girl Almighty. It's in my handwriting. Yes, it is a reference to the One Direction song. Um, So that was my very first one. I got that uh, like a month into being 18. And um, I went went with my dad. And my dad had never gotten any tattoos. And he was uh, promptly got one after because he was mad that I could tolerate something that he hadn't yet. (laughs) Um, He was was so scared that it was going to hurt so bad he never got one in like his 55 years of life. And then he saw me get one and he was like, well, now I have to get one. And now he has a <laughs> tattoo. So, um, you know, bad influence all around. But so I got that one. That was my first one. And then I got this one, which is a little heart with arrows from my favorite band, Valley. Um, it's from their song called Loop Love. And then I got this one, which is a butterfly because I wanted one. Um, I'm actually nice. very scared of butterflies. Well, that's a lie. I'm scared of <laughs> bugs, and I don't like any of them up close, butterflies included. But butterflies are the prettiest that's fair. from far away. And I, this mm-hmm. this guy actually doesn't have antenna. He was drawn, he or she, they were drawn with antenna originally. And I looked at the tattoo artist, and I was like, take those lines out. And he was like, you know that butterflies have antenna. And I was like, I don't care. Take it out. <laughs> Um, so that was number three. And then I got this tattoo, which says lover, um, because I almost quit music in 2020 at the very beginning. And then I heard lover by Taylor Swift and I was like, I can't. So I got lover tattooed on me. That's how it happened. Yeah. And then I got, um, this water bottle tattooed on me, which is in the middle of an anime called Haikyuu. Yeah. That was that that one's a really fun one to explain at family functions on why I have a water bottle tattooed <laughs> on my leg. My uh my family loves that one. They think it's my best one by far. <laughs> um sure. and then Strawberry Mentos blew up and popped off and it changed my life forever and ever. So I got one of my followers designed this for me. And Aww. um it's like a little strawberry with the Mentos next to it. And that I got that at the same time I got my lip pierced. And then nice. um and then later I got this bridge, which is the, that's what it looks like from this side. Um, this is the one that was uh, done very badly. That's the bridge I stood on in the Least Favorite Only Child music video. And then I got these matches. I got this unlit <laughs> match and this burnt out match at the same time uh, for my song, Burnt Out. There we go. That's awesome. Yeah. I have more planned, but they're all around like, my songs, which is like the grossest way of self-promo, but I love them and I care about them. Next question is, what was the first concert you ever attended? One Direction. I nice. could have I could have told you that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, one Direction. Coming. I had just turned 12. I saw them when they toured with Five Seconds of Summer. So I am nice. better than everyone nice. ever. <laughs> um, I sat one row from the back. I couldn't see shit. But just knowing I was in the same general room as Harry Styles was enough to like keep me going until now. So, could you recommend a movie, a book, and a TV show to our listeners? Oh my gosh, yes! But you're gonna be able to guess them before I say them. Okay, so 
The movie 100% Lady Bird. Nice. Okay. Nice. There we go. <laughs> I really like a book called Falling Into Place by Amy Zong. And The Sky is Everywhere, which I think is by like Janie Nelson. Or um, I'll Give You the Sun. That's also another really good one. I most recently read a book for the first time in like three years that wasn't fan fiction. And it was, you know, my year of rest <laughs> and relaxation, which was oh yeah, 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 very highly recommended. And I liked it, but the main character was a bitch, and she reminded me way too much of me, and I didn't like that at all. Um, <laughs> I was like, ha, huh, I don't like that. I get you, and why you want to sleep for three months straight. Um, right. I was like, you're giving me some ideas, girls. Like, like, <laughs> let's not go that far. <laughs> don't try this at home. <laughs> don't try this at home. TV show. I'm going to say that Brooklyn Nine Nine is the TV nice. show nice. I'm recommending. However, my favorite of you know the TV shows like that is Parks and Rec, and will forever be Parks and Rec. Yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> All right, what are three thoughts you have at this very moment? I'm using my roommate's uh, laptop. I am not good under pressure like this. I'm using my roommate's laptop to record this because I'm having a problem with mine and I'm really nervous that it's going to be very expensive to fix the fact that my laptop isn't charging correctly. My dog has been whining because he can hear people outside and that has been very upsetting to me because I don't want it to come through in the audio. And what else? I really need to clean my room. There are like eight cups you can't see them but they're all half full of some liquid <laughs> and they are my everywhere the and i my really need to get way. them it's out all of my good. room yeah those are my three <laughs> very good very nice and lastly uh what are you looking forward to oh my god so much i'm very much looking forward to potentially touring this next year that's going to be crazy and insane i'm looking forward to putting out an album and seeing if people can connect all of the pieces and uh footprints that i left behind in individual songs that connect to other songs and i'm really looking forward to my next single which doesn't have a day yet but is called do you want to be friends awesome nice awesome well, Leanna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so nice to meet you. I uh, hope that if you do tour, uh, you come to LA and we all <laughs> hang out. Uh, you're awesome. You are uh, a theater nerd like us and uh, and your songs have really, really resonated with us. So thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you for having me. We'll talk to you soon. I'll change my body and my hobbies. Switch from regular to diet. Used to wonder if being skinny would be worth it if I could document. But then I found out being loved and being small feels synonymous. So I don't know if I could do it all again. But I still drink Diet Coke. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Lion. We would like to thank New Wave, The Truffleist, and Isotope for their support of Talking Lion. If you'd like to show your support, ask our guests your questions, talk to us on Discord, and get a shout out at the end of each episode, subscribe to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash talkinglion. Thank you for listening and see you next time.